Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. People who live behind a vast number of aging levees in the United States are more likely to be people of color and have less education compared to those who don't. And that leaves them more vulnerable to flooding and the impacts of climate change. Those are the findings of a new study from the American Geophysical Union, as Emily Zetner of the California Newsroom reports. About two-thirds of people in the U.S. live in counties protected by a levee. Levees are meant to reduce flood risk, but they're notoriously precarious. A new study looked at who is more likely to live behind levees. It found that Hispanic people are the most overrepresented race or ethnicity. Ann Willis is with the environmental advocacy group American Rivers. She says experts have known about these disparities anecdotally, but... A study like this gives us data that we can point to to say not only is it something that we think we perceive in our day-to-day observations, but it is real. Living behind a levee has become even more risky as the climate changes. For the California Report, I'm Emily Zentner in Grass Valley. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. The Orange County Bar, which was the site of a mass shooting nearly two weeks ago, reopened this past weekend. Among the events at Cook's Corner in Chabuco Canyon was a benefit concert by the band M Street, which was at the bar the night of August 23rd when the shooting took place. Guitarist Ed Means was among those injured. He spoke to KTLA Television. It's an opportunity for us to kind of create a little bit of light in an otherwise pretty dark story here. Three people died in the shooting and six others were injured. 
a state bill that would require many employers in all kinds of industries to take steps to protect workers from violence at their jobs, has cleared a key hurdle and is headed for a full vote at the Assembly. KQED's labor correspondent Farida Javala Romero reports. During her decades-long career, psychiatric nurse Rachel Cohen Cepeda saw terrible assaults on co-workers at different hospitals in the San Francisco Bay Area, usually by patients. It just wasn't safe, she says. People were getting beat down, like head smashed into the floor, chased, battered. Patients would attack other patients. Those are just some of the war stories she can share. Nationwide, some of the people at highest risk of experiencing workplace violence include healthcare workers and others who have regular contact with volatile or unstable people. A few years back, nurses' unions fought for protections, like requiring healthcare employers in California to implement plans to prevent and also respond to violent incidents. And they must develop those with input from workers. Now, Cohen Cepeda's unit at a UCSF psychiatric hospital has a security guard in the building, and there's a lot more employee training. We have a way to talk about what's going on that's taken seriously. I don't think everything is fixed already. It's a work in progress, but it's a complete change of culture from you're a nurse, you're a human punching bag, what do you expect, to, oh, this is not acceptable. But these reforms just cover health care. State Senator Dave Cortesi from San Jose wants to bring similar requirements to all other industries. He felt he needed to come up with legislation after the horrific mass shooting in San Jose at the Valley Transportation Authority rail yard in 2021. Here's a KQED newscast from that day. As we've heard on the national newscast, a public transit employee took the lives of eight co-workers and his own early this morning at a light rail yard in downtown San Jose. Senator Cortesi recalls hearing from first responders that they couldn't get into the building right away while the shooter was still active because they didn't have an access key card. And it was one of the victims who ended up helping co-workers escape through a window from the second floor before he was killed. Had there been a plan in place ahead of time that everyone understood that this is how you get out of the second floor if there's an intruder or an emergency that closes off access the other way, it could have saved lives. SB 553 resembles closely the requirements the healthcare industry already follows, developing a plan, keeping a log of violent incidents, training employees, and also including their input. State regulators at Kalosha have been crafting rules, but they've taken six years so far, delayed in large part by the pandemic. It's not a good thing when you have violence spiking up and people losing their lives. The California Chamber of Commerce fought the bill while representing a long list of industries. They argued in part it'd be unfeasible for small businesses and costly for employers. But after the measure was amended to exclude workplaces with fewer than 10 employees that are not accessible to the public, the chamber is expected to pull back from its opposition. Robert Mutri is a policy advocate with the Chamber of Commerce. There's no one in our coalition who in any way thinks that workplace violence is not a terrible thing, right? But the issue has been, how do we make sure that what the requirements we're putting on businesses and public entities and employers are feasible to do and realistic? 
But for Rachel Cohen Cepeda back at UCSF, what's realistic is expecting there to be more violence in workplaces across California. She says the state needs to put laws in place to force more employers to acknowledge the situation and try to do something about it. There's costs to letting this violence go on. We're such a more reactive than proactive society. You know, let's start looking at how we can nip it in the bud. If approved by lawmakers and the governor, SB 553 would go into effect in July of 2024. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, September 5th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation. Listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines the pursuit of good health. On the web at chcf.org lbca. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com ca. Guideline. The California way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery on the web at schmidtocean.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.